Hey, Street Fighters, welcome back. We're here once again after our vacation. We're back Wednesday night, Street Fight in the basement. Brett and Brian are here to talk more shit than we ever have before. It's a new, newly refreshed uh, chapter of Street Fight. Tomorrow night we do Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, so check that out on twitch.tv slash streetfightradio. Tell your friends that we're back. Best time to subscribe is right now. Leave reviews everywhere you can. We are the number one anarcho comedy radio show on any station across the nation. And we uh, have been doing it for 10 years now and are going to start doing live shows again. Pittsburgh, we're coming to you in September. That's our, our first announcement. Um, we're working on more that, that will come uh, on social media. But I'm glad to be back. I didn't realize how much I would miss it. It does feel like a little bit like Christmas morning. I got to say, man, uh, it has been, I checked before I left. The last time I podcasted was May 27th. Wow, that's unreal. It is. It is. You were 26th, I think. Probably. I guess so. Because I had the POD cast before we were out of here. But man, it is fucking terrific to be back. And, and, And I'll say this. If you're a podcaster out there and you ever want to really, really, you know, get out of your lane and do something new, I suggest you make a TV show, then you'll love podcasting again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We uh, took the break to make the mean show, Um, you know, nothing against means TV, but uh, we (laughs) did not have any idea of what we were signing up for. No. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, this is way easier than doing a TV show. (laughs) Nothing against means TV. It's all against TV as a medium. (laughs) Like the actual medium of making TV is it's not for us. We are exhausting. It's exhausting. Me and Brett are too temperamental. We didn't realize. I think one of the things you learn when somebody else gets moved into the system that we're not like technically their boss is that like we don't like to have a boss <laughs> we are we are very bad at having a job yeah being told what to do <laughs> yeah having expectations yeah but um i got here today and uh there's gifts we got yeah right? yeah the man Why don't came we open in some giftos before we uh Get to talking. I'm sure, you know, for those that want to hear the the real the real heavy TV shit, uh, you know, it'll come out. Eventually we'll talk about it. Uh the TV show's not out. I don't want to talk about making TV because it was hard. Yep. And uh I don't like hard things. Except for, you know, Pete O'Brien likes to have a hard thing. You okay. know what I'm saying? You yeah. know what I'm saying? He's back, baby. He's back. Pete O'Brien. <laughs> I'm going to open this present that we got in the mail. Yeah, if you want to send anything to Street Fight Radio, we are P.O. Box 82306, Columbus, Ohio, 43202. I got a little package here from a Rust Temple. The Rust Temple. Good name. Oh, it's a shirt. This is from Mike. And I'm opening it up. Whoa, it's a sleeveless. Oh, oh, I'll take that. That's for you. Wooden spoons. Okay. We got some wood spoons. Oh, for beating kids with? 
No, Brett, we don't do that. That's the Trillbillies. <laughs> the Trillbillies beat kids, not us. Uh, this is an awesome shirt. I love it. What size is it? It's XL. Trust who? Temple. Ru- Russ Temple. Russ Temple. Yeah, I'm. I'm a. I think before I left, I said I was a sleeveless guy. I like Rusty Temples. I'm a big sleeveless guy now, and but I have a new passion. Really, what's that? New clothing passion, and it's something that it's going to take work, really, to get it to happen. I think I need to get hockey jerseys back in stock. <laughs> <laughs> I think my new thing is that I want to make hockey jerseys cool. And uh, the reason being, because I'm hoping that by this fall, I can start wearing a hockey jersey. Instead of a co? <laughs> yes. I think I was when I was like, probably yeah, 1997, as when I was in high school or going into high school, I tried to convince my mom to let me buy a hockey jersey instead of a winter coat. <laughs> <laughs> they're not like that warm, really. I know, but they're that cool. They're much cooler than a winter coat. <laughs> they are. I had one. I had a hockey jersey because my dad played hockey when he was growing up, and uh, he played hockey for... He was like a second string guy on Ohio State. He is just a big hockey guy. He loved hockey. So uh, he got me a Mighty Ducks jersey. Okay. Boy, I, I one of my memories I have of wearing that shirt was at Kings Island, which is a place that's only open during the summer. Yep. So I was obviously wearing a hockey jersey midsummer, just sweating my ass off. I But what happened was, I rode one of those white water rafting rides. Yeah. Right? And that thing dried off in like no time. The dude I was with, my friend that I brought, he was soaked all day yeah. from it. Just miserable, chafing the whole fucking mold. My hockey jersey was just okay. dry. Um, I do have to say in my eBay watch list right now, there is a Metallica load hockey jersey with a pus head flaming skull on it. <laughs> <laughs> and they always send me like this. This seller's offering you eight percent off today, and I'm like, that's not enough, my friend. No, no. I mean, or- I I am like really into the idea of a. Uh, uh, I I I got super into ICP over our vacation. Now I want an ICP hockey. They had a lot of good hockey jerseys. Yeah, they got some uh, great ones. All right, this last one is from Ian. Um, oh, it's wrapped in a Domino's pizza box. Here. <laughs> <laughs> There's a note on the back. It's a piece of... Oh, yeah. Brett and Brian, here are a couple of paintings I did lately and I think you guys would like. I know Brett has a new place to furnish and hopefully this starts Brian on decorating his walls. Uh, the one of the shirt is for Brett and the one of the owl is for Brian so you don't have to work it out yourselves. Hope you like them. Ian from Philly. Uh, P.S. I've called in a couple times. I had the landlord whose tow truck got repoed in the culturally conservative fast food place. Nice. Well, thank you. I think you, I know Ian. what these are. I think I asked about these. These are this one is of the shirt. Oh man, I wanted this so bad. Okay. Yeah. He did a oil painting of the Lermworm. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, that's obelisk cool. shirt. Yeah, 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 the Street Fight Obelisk shirt. Yeah, I mean we're getting a new place, so stuff like that. Oh, I mean Brett could also just put it in his house too. I'm not trying to take it from him, but we are getting a new place. We need decorations. Beautiful, beautiful. It's a deer and a, a, it looks like an owl from here, but I don't know. I think he said owl. What? It said owl. Yeah. yeah, I knew it. I know what an owl looks like. Thank you. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're welcome for telling you what an owl looks like. No, I was saying thank you to Ian, not to you. Oh, okay. Well, you're welcome still, even. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, how was your time off? How was your two week? We had two weeks off too. I mean, it wasn't all TV show. It was 10 days of TV show and then two weeks off. So how was your time off? Um, it, it was up and down. Um, the biggest highlight, I went to the Indy 500. That is a highlight. That is a big one. I stayed up all night <laughs> before I had like three hours of sleep and I was like, fuck, I have to get up at 630 to do this. So I woke up at 630 um, and started tripping immediately and then basically drove there, um, met up with a, a guy that invited uh, invited me from Twitter, which I was a little bit nervous about. But then, like, it was him and his husband and his family, and it was, like, the best possible circumstance ever. Matt Bone is his name, the Matt Bone, or that Matt Bone on Twitter. Uh, the best time ever. And his family was, like, so fucking sweet. They're, like, from, I, they, it was it was crazy. It was, it, was a, it was an amazing experience. Indianapolis um, is, an, is an awful place. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, even in, Ohio, even in Ohio, like, I felt like I was too cool for school there. Yeah, Indianapolis. Uh, uh- it's chuggy. It, yeah, it's it's a I, we did a show there, and I wouldn't say the show was bad. We did book like a ten thousand seat venue there. No, <laughs> not that. It was huge. It was huge. The guy told us right before we went on, "Hey, Van Halen played here," and I was like, "Oh, I don't think we're Van Halen big." Yeah, it was big. It was just big. It wasn't ten thousand. It was probably a thousand. Yeah, it was too big. Still. <laughs> Yeah, it was a ton of fun. It was like the perfect day, um, and it was a good reset. Um, I'm feeling a lot better, especially after the show. Um, you know, I kind of have not done anything for two months. I've kind of just—it's been a whirlwind. Uh, I'm kind of shaking, shaking loose of that. So I'm feeling better now, getting back to things. I'm rollerblading more. I just wake up and get on my rollerblades because I can't bring myself to do any other like fitness stuff. But that one's fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. I haven't rollerbladed in many years. I used to do it, but but mine got fucked up. So yeah, uh, or my feet grew. Really, is what happened. And feet do grow. That's, That's true. just the thing. It's unfortunate. About it. There's nothing you can do to stop your feet from growing. If I would have, then I would have had these rollerblades. And I had the rollerblade brand rollerblades, which I believe are the best. Bye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know about that. They made the name up, dude. I know. Of what we call, it's the Kleenex of rollerblades. You're right. It is. You know, you can't get much better than that. So, uh, uh, man, that's, that's, I went to Asheville, NC, North Carolina. I went and actually I went to Lexington first. I hung out with Tom Sexton, my fellow holy boy and just a all around dear guy. Uh, really we went out to dinner with my family and and really I have to say having a wife and a daughter is is odd because when you sit down a team a team uh when I got back to the hotel that night cuz I I went and did something with Tom but they went back to the hotel he dropped them off at the hotel and then me and him went to his house so I could do something uh for him and uh like record something to record something for tom okay and uh when i got back to the hotel my wife and kid were sitting in the bed like smiling and i was like like what the fuck's going on like did did one of y'all fart or something like that because that's always funny Mm -hmm. and they were like it was so cute you just sitting there talking to tom did she went it's so sweet (laughs) 
And Ari's just like, don't do that. Don't, don't. They're proud of you. You had a big boy conversation. <laughs> you didn't look at your phone. Like, You're making progress. <laughs> it's like, don't, don't tell me I'm cute because I carried on a conversation. <laughs> yeah. You'll never do it again now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, that was uh, uh, something. Then I went to Asheville, North Carolina for a wedding. It was wonderful. The wedding was incredible to be outside with people. Uh, they danced. I They tried to get me to dance, but damn. I, I have some pictures of me like attempting a little bit of dancing with the wife. Here's they a- said, get out there with your partner, basically, is what they said. And uh, I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And my wife sprained her ankle. Anyway, mm-hmm. so it was kind of like, no, nah, I don't have to do it. You know? Yeah, I would say, I'm not going to say that you should have gone on there and, and uh, really cut a rug the whole time. But if you're going to withhold, you should wait until it's like three quarters of the way through the dancing. And then you go out there and then everybody gets excited. <laughs> you can get a big pop out of one dance. Yeah. And I was still, I was sort of standing like... I was, I, we stood off of the dance floor too when we danced and, and like, I just couldn't stop laughing. It's so goofy to dance with your wife, (laughs) you know? I don't know. It felt goofy to do. And it, and and maybe it was just, were you just like pointing in the air or something? No, I like did the arm. We, oh, slow dancing. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a slow dance song. So we were just kind of like, uh, this is awkward. You know, we haven't Jeez. done that ever. I don't think me and my wife have ever slow danced in, in Dog. 20, over 20 years. Dog. You got to grab her like that. What do you do when you slow dance? Hold on. You got to touch the small of the back. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe one you day. You just I'll rock back and forth. It's, it's, yeah, man. My cowboy God shirt. God damn was it. A, my cowboy shirt was a big success. I even made it to the Instagram story of the wedding. Whoa. In my cowboy shirt. Wow. Um, but I uh, took it off one hour after the, <laughs> the uh, uh, ceremony. I was out of it in a t-shirt. Yeah. So, you know. It was a good shirt, though. I posted a picture of me and the wife, and I'm in my cowboy shirt. And people are saying, like, uh, uh, man, that's a you look good in that shirt, man. That's a really good look for you. And I, and I, I was not going to wear it again. It, it's got buttons. I don't wear shirts with buttons on them. I just had it necessitated. I might wear it to like a funeral because okay. it's black. Yeah. Or a wedding or something like that. Like another That's wedding. your dress shirt. Not that you have a dress shirt. Basically. I have one dress shirt now and it's fly. And I, I, I really feel it's fly. Mm-hmm. But I don't wear jeans very much anymore. Like you can't wear a cowboy shirt with cargo pants. You also you can't right. wear a car- cowboy shirt with shorts. Uh, there's never been a cowboy in shorts in the history of cowboys. Never. They didn't cut. They didn't even cut off their jeans into jean shorts. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard so, lifestyle. It is a hard lifestyle. So we do have stuff to talk about that isn't just what we did on vacation. And uh, one of these, me and Brett read very early on in the filming of the TV show. And I said, Brett, do we need to save this? Do you think this will be outdated? This was June 4th. And you said, no, you absolutely have to save this. So, uh, this is from the Columbus dispatch. 
And it is an opinion piece by Roger Valdez. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, here's the headline. Let's just get the headline out of the way. Sometimes I like to skip the headline and just read the story because it's like, you don't want to give it away what the, what the story is, right? Sure. But this one is good. Opinion. Landlord. Feudal, outdated term that helps paint housing providers as villains. So, before the break, we did learn that uh, HR... Are, 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 are supervisors are now called people managers. Right. That's a softened term. So now we call landlords housing providers. Okay. You can't say landlord anymore. Even though having a landlord is extremely futile. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like feudalism, you know? <laughs> well, um, like, you know, we had the caller, uh, Explain to us, um, trust punch, uh, that, you know, those landlords go to their local governments and get them to, uh, provide services to make more money off of you, to steal more money from you. They, they are lording over your life. So first of its kind legislation has been proposed in Ohio to change references in state law from landlord and tenant to housing provider and resident. For what? In what? In like legal? Do- Wait, in what? So when you write a law oh. about this thing, about rental laws, yes, you have to say housing provider now. You can't put, let you don't, they don't want you putting landlord in there. This is the legal term. They don't like that term, which is wild. You know, I'll say this. Now, I'm not a landlord. I'll never be a landlord. I don't want to be a landlord at all. I I am not pro-landlord. But if I was a landlord, I would love to be called a landlord. Sure. Like a lord. Yeah. Of my land. Like, that is a fucking high-level thing. I would never fight against somebody calling me a lord. Ever. It's not even a chance. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. It, it would, seems aspirational. Right, right. It, it it would be like if the Queen of England was like, oh, don't call me the, the Queen anymore. I'm fucking, I don't know, I'm bloodsucker. Mother of the country. <laughs> mother of the country, yes. No, you want to be the Queen. When you get the power of landlord in you, you should be proud. And you should be on the Lord. the defensive. Yes. You should also know that someone wants to slice your throat at any moment. You should be looking over your shoulder. Several people want to slice, yeah. like a whole movement of people. You should be way. You should be your your teeth should be chattering at night when you think about all of the people you've wronged and how they'll one day take up arms against you. Right. And now let me let me talk a bit about Roger Valdez before we get further into this uh, because it has his picture and uh, trust me look this guy has you know as crazy as a look could be okay but uh roger valdez is a director of the center for housing economics a seattle-based policy center researching progressive supply side solutions to housing scarcity for the last 24 years 25 years he has worked in uh it says fields of education public health urban planning and housing uh for those that don't know, and I'm not a smart guy, and I'm sure most of you know that supply side always means that he's just working for the bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> like any, anytime somebody decides to use supply side, it's like, yeah, that's 
you're on the bad guy team. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, there's all this money on new houses. We have to sell them. Yes. It may seem like a small change, but the shift is tectonic for housing. Oddly, the proposal will provide contra- will prove controversial. It would mean feudal terminology would be replaced in order to reflect the real relationship between people who provide and who needs housing. That, but nothing's changed. No. The, the law has to be different than landlording. <laughs> Otherwise, we have an established term. That's what you're doing. Yeah. You need to change what it means to be a landlord before we start. Because you're not a housing provider. No. You're not fucking doing it out of the kindness. You're not providing housing. No. You're fucking. The grocery store is not a produce provider. <laughs> yes. They sell yeah. that shit. It's the same thing when people. It's like the same way you, you'll like look at jobs when you're like 20, where you're just like, I'm just lucky they have me here. You know, it's, I'm the employee, very lucky that I get to be employed by yep. this company until you find out like, Hey, you like, Hey, you're providing a service here too by being the employee. You're, you're a worker. You're working. You're yeah. doing the work. And it's, they do this all the time. They want to change the words, but they don't want to change anything about it at all. Yeah. They don't want to feel bad about it. Right. Often housing providers in Ohio and the United States are small family owned businesses, no. not powerful land barons. It feels like they are like, Powerful at the very least. Like you're powerful when you have an extra place to rent for money. Yeah, that's power. The people that's not that most place. people. Yes. Most people want to get one house that they own. Nobody aspiring to have a second one that you can rent to make money is power. It, it is not only is it power, but you have too much. Yeah, you have more power than the resident. You are. Kind of lording power <laughs> over these people Once that again. are living there. Yeah. On that land. You're lording power <laughs> over the people that live on that land. That's just the way it is, man. Sorry. Um, updating language is an important first step to accurately reflect this in the law, and it should lead to better policy. Better policy for who, Roger? For who? According to the Department of Housing and Urban Development, there are between 10 million and 11 million individual investor landlords managing an average of two units each, many with just one unit. Now, that's enough. They love to do that. They love to make it sound like that. What then are the people that own the huge apartment complexes landlords then? Are, are, or are they housing providers? Right, right. You know, of course, there's fucking more people that own one or two rental properties than there are people who own a whole of fucking apartment complex. That's always going to be true. There's not going to be a time where that fucking changes. It doesn't, it, it, and, and I don't know. I, if you're somebody that owns like one property and you're just renting this thing out and, and, you know, I've heard of people who kind of get, you know, stuck with a place and then they have to move and they have to figure out a way to square all that away. It's like, whatever. Maybe you're not a lord. Maybe, maybe you're not, but you're, you know what? You have an extra house. Yeah. You can deal with being called landlord. Yeah. It's just the way the world works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not all good. Uh, 
We don't have to fucking like you for doing it. No. And, and like the companies that provide housing, you pay them for housing and they have a system in place and they have employees. You, these motherfuckers that just own one place, they come in and decide how your shit's getting fixed. Yes. You know, they're the, they are lording over the type of repairs that happen oh. to your house and, and, and how much is spent on it and whether or not it, oh, you did that. You, you broke the garbage disposal. You used it. It's yes. like, uh, what, that's why I'm here. I'm living, living here, using the space. It's falling apart. Did you put macaroni and cheese in the garbage disposal? Because, you know, that'll hurt. <laughs> the steel blades can't really stand up to mac and cheese if it's coagulated. I got that one once. Yeah, you got in trouble for rice. It was rice. It wasn't macaroni and cheese. It was rice. I got in trouble for rice. I You made me so mad when your fucking guy said, told you, what are you doing throwing rice down here? <laughs> rice is small as fuck, dude. Chop, it got chopped up. I can't think of anything smaller than rice. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy. But, but it is one of those things that's like, they do have, make all the decisions like if something gets fucked up i don't get to pick who fixes my stuff and that is something that i'm fucking cool with it's like whatever fix if it gets fixed i don't care. yeah my lord thank you my lord for fixing my my problems yeah my lord well no i'm saying (laughs) your ass is my lord though (laughs) Okay, you're still. I'm still calling you Lord. You're my Lord. Yeah. You said I can't grow vegetables in the backyard. You're you. You're the Lord of this land. I can't do shit here without your permission. You're the fucking Lord, not me. Uh, if you ask the people who provide these small portfolios of housing why low cost housing options are disappearing, they will swipe the cite the swarm of rules and regulations combined with COVID nineteen eviction bans encouraging residents to withhold rent. I don't think very many people were just like, I'm, I'm going to withhold. I'm not going to pay rent. You know, this COVID-19, I just, this is like that, that it is a real victim blaming sort of way to deal with. Look, that's what this whole thing has been. Yes, it is. It is. It's it, but it, it, it makes people who lost their jobs during COVID-19 that were probably, I mean, think about, most of the people that lost their jobs during COVID-19. We're talking about people not that not people that make a hundred thousand dollars a year. We're talking about people that work at fucking restaurants. Yeah. We're talking about people that work in some sectors of retail, not grocery stores, but like, you know, certain sectors of retail. Yeah. If you lose that job, it's not like you have a year's worth of rent saved up so that you can make your rent. The eviction bans, one, there is no fucking way the government didn't give them money if people stopped paying rent. There is it just isn't a possible way that the government doesn't doesn't say like, hey, we'll help the landlords out here. I think a lot of them are double, they want to double dip. They're, they're like, oh, okay, well, there's this eviction moratorium. I'm going to apply for the money to cover the fact that my residents can't p- pay rent. But I, I I would also still like it if they paid rent. Yeah, I'm going to hassle them, too. <laughs> yes, yes. Worse, these small businesses, many operated by people of cover- color serving other people of color. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> 
have been. These, these, these POCs are just trying to provide houses to other POCs, and you, you, you defame them for that. You call them <laughs> nasty names. This is one of those times where you're just like, I mean, they are really... <laughs> The social justice language, they are I'm, really bending that stuff in such disgusting ways. You gotta move faster than them. I don't know, but yeah, it, it just gets all gets ruined. Yeah, they have been made the villain in anecdotal stories about evictions. Meanwhile, providers who rent single-family homes are seeing the value of their assets skyrocket. Exactly. Yeah. It's sell your house and make fifty thousand dollars and 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 sit on that money for a couple of years and then rebuy. Right. And I think that one of the things this guy's I, I, I'm I'm reading between lines here, but do you think when he talks about home the value of their assets skyrocketing, do you think that it is possible that he's talking about how like these people's these people signed a lease to pay a certain amount of rent. And now all of a sudden the house is worth more. Right. Right. And I can't just kick them out on their fucking asses. That's, that's not legal. I have to wait in order to make that more money. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. You can't evict them. Yeah. The pressure to simply sell a rental house to a buyer who will live in it is enormous. There is a dangerous loss of low-cost housing supply. And eviction is a rare occurrence. In Cincinnati, for example, data from the recent analysis of eviction by the Center for Housing Economics, which, by the way, I'm not trusting the Center for Housing Economics. I'm just not going to do that. I don't know what they do. I'm not going to look it up. I'm just not going to trust them. Um, found that the rate of actual removals, not filings, is about 1% of the more than 160,000 rental units in the city. Now, let me, let me hit something here real quick. He says the rate of actual removals, not filings, is about 1% of the more than 160,000 rental units in the city. As though a filing for eviction is not a problem. Right. For the people that live there. It's just, it's no big deal. They go, right. oh God, they just like, they get a pink notice. Paper. They get a pink paper or a yellow paper. That's all it is. Man, we've talked about this in the past. I think we even made it part of our live gig, but like those, pa- those papers they put on your door. And I'm sure so many people that are listening to this show have had those papers for, for sure. Those are terrifying. Yeah. When you are young and broke and it scares anybody. I, it, I fucking got the first one I got, Brett. I came home from work. There was a piece of paper on the door that said notice to vacate the premises, which is like that notice. Says that I have to yeah. leave. It doesn't say like, hey, there's some other stuff. The 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 idea, the words on that notice are telling me I have to leave. And I went in my bedroom and I started fucking packing, dude. I started packing my stuff because I was like, well, fuck it. I guess I don't have a home now. Right. Uh, you know, and then my roommate came home and was like, ah nah, man, it takes like three months to evict you. Yeah. So Wait till the sheriff is here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what they said. That's what, I, and I don't even think it was my friend. I think he was a little freaked too. 
I think somebody else that was a little older than us that had, you know, been through the ringer with this kind of thing was like, ah, dude, it takes three months to evict somebody. Yeah. Don't even fucking sweat it, you know? So, but those eviction notices, no matter what, every time you get one, I haven't had one. And the place I live now, the landlord, I get along with the landlord well enough. They have always been flexible with if I get in trouble, I have to, you know, pay, I pay my rent in two installments and stuff like that like i i but before that i got notices to vacate the premises all the fucking time and there was never a time where that like felt good you know where yeah. that didn't take a little bit of like a spiritual toll on me like the people that come home with their kids and have to rip that notice off of the fucking door that's tough man that's not just some little thing, you know, that like doesn't count. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things, it counts still. Even if you're not actually evicted, all of that shit counts. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's so much of this, so much of the unemployment benefits were not handed out or not, not given. Or, you know, for someone like me, um, I shut down with bureaucracy. So I don't even know what I would have done. Like, I don't know if I could have managed if they said you're going to be on the phone for three hours to wait for uh, an unemployment uh, specialist or whatever. I, I don't know if I would have ever got it. Like the, the we had people that called in early on uh, during the pandemic that said it was impossible to even file for unemployment. Um, right. And then, you the know, Florida people. Yeah. Yeah. And then being eligible as well is something that's not guaranteed. I mean, we got so much fucking shit. Uh, we got so many calls in last April, uh, May, like those months, we got so many calls from people that were just going through hell with their landlords, just pure hell and trying to get their unemployment was hell. And like, that was our call-in show for the first two months of COVID was all that. And like, now we're writing stories about how, well, maybe the government went a little too far banning evictions you know yeah think about our housing providers yeah they they they're, they can't give their gift of houses anymore the government's stood in the way of them sharing their wonderful gift of of uh charging twice the charging two times the rent than they did before because all of a sudden there's a, a market boom or something all you know of a sudden, i mean in ohio housing it's fucked up it's crazy it's fucked up like if you're unacceptable you ain't buying a house anytime soon no, like, not, not me. you personally. No, I wanted to. I know, but you're not. <laughs> I'm not. Not yeah. right now. Not. <laughs> From what I've read, nobody's buying a house anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, a lot. Uh, the groups that benefit from evictions, like attorneys who represent defendants in such actions. So now a bad group is the people that actually defend tenants. Can you believe this? <laughs> you know, the bad guy really is the DSA housing caucus. <laughs> yeah. These people show up, they put all this evidence out that, you know, that we shouldn't be hounding these people for money. It sucks. They don't think about us. They go. only think about themselves. Here you go, Brett. <laughs> they like the notion that their client is in is like a feudal tenant bound to the land and subject to the whim of a lord. But if there is a power imbalance between consumers and providers of housing, it isn't the wealth and power of people who provide housing. It's scarce housing. So it's the scarce house. 
First of all, housing isn't scarce. I have all heard yeah. about the amount of houses that we are in no danger in the United States of running out of houses. Yeah. Which is, isn't going to fucking happen. Yeah. It's not scarce. It's a, a artificial scarcity. Yeah. That makes it more expensive. The motherfuckers build a new fucking neighborhood every six weeks. Yeah. In town. You got a whole fucking new neighborhood. The sprawl. I, I actually in Asheville, it occurred to me that like I was out in the country. I stayed out in the mountains. I wanted to be in the country. I wanted to be away from a city. I wanted to be able to look at stars and shit like that. But I was 10 minutes, like 10 minute drive to downtown Asheville. And what occurred to me from that was the size of Columbus. Oh, yeah. Ohio. Like, oh, I heard the guest on Block Party was trying to say Columbus ain't that big, but we're we're bigger than Cleveland and Cincinnati. We're number one in Ohio, baby. By a lot. Yeah. By we're, a lot. We've been to, I've been to a lot of cities. We though. are Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> Columbus I, is Ohio. If you drive from one, I will fucking take anybody from one side of Columbus to the other. And they'll be like, I can't believe it's this fucking big. Yeah. It's, it is. Land wise, it's massive and the sprawl and a lot of cities have this kind of sprawl. It's, it's like they just keep expanding well, and expanding. There's, yeah, there's zero money for renovation. There's zero money for investing in what is already there. The only way to make money is off new developments, new contracts, new tax abatements. All of it is, is around developing new things. There's nothing, to, there's no money to be made from uh, taking care of the housing that is already here, but maybe falling apart. You know, they, they leave North Linden. They're, they're about to do it there. They leave North Linden in shambles. They don't provide any services. Their curbs are fucking falling apart. Um, and, and they, and then they are going to come in and just revitalize it. And, and uh, there's millions of dollars of contracts for that because the Columbus crew will fucking sponsor it or some bank or some, some uh, insurance company will, will pay to bulldoze a part of the city that everyone ignored. Right. Uh, you know, it, right. It's, it's, it's awful. It's just not a supply problem. Yeah. It's a capital. It's definitely a capitalism problem. Yes. It's that somebody has to make money from this yes. is what it is. It, because as far as, as far as like the amount of houses, I mean, I, I, I would love to take this guy to the neighborhood I grew up in and show him how many empty houses are there. There's so many empty houses there. Go to any fucking building in a downtown of any city that's not New York and fucking tell me those buildings are all the way full. Yeah. Seriously, look me in the face and tell me that these luxury buildings are at full capacity and there's no room for any other people to sleep there. You can't, that's just, these things are at, I mean, a lot of these things are like 40% capacity. There's nobody living in so many houses. So it's just that you can't make money. And if you give people houses or give them cheap housing, yeah, there's no money to be made now. Um, yeah, or if you provided, you know, uh, forgivable loans for for housing repairs, things like that too. Yep, for people to, uh, you know, exactly. You're exactly right. So the next thing I wanted to get to is is 
very common thread on Street Fight. And, you know, I've heard other leftist shows touch this stuff, too. And I'm, I'm very curious about this. An open letter was published on June 9th about BrewDog, the brewery. You know BrewDog? Oh, yeah. Yes. You do know them? <laughs> yeah, I like their beer a lot. Yeah, yeah. They rolled into town and kind of took over and were available everywhere. And then especially at Costco. So you could get it. It was like the lowest price per IPA <laughs> in town. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's an open letter published by the employees. We're going to go through that letter. I, I do want to ask you first, like, what is it with these microbreweries like why are we always reading an open letter from a microbrewery number one it's drugs like it's it's something that it's like even it, i mean yeah, sandwiches are are comparable but because like like we like we say anybody can make a sandwich and selling sandwiches isn't that unique okay but beer fucks you up and people want to get fucked up and it invites folks in because there's a lot of money to be made and the problem is they all, for some reason, consider themselves as, like, healing the world. <laughs> they all think that, <laughs> they think that, like, they're all, on the side of every can is, like, at the core of everything that we do is just roots and dirt. It's just down to connection. You know, it's just like cavemen and cave women and, and, and cave envies. You know, we just all used to sit by the fire and, and drink some poisonous bread and uh that's that's why we brew our beer you know <laughs> it's a big lie um it's also it's a thing where like everybody's partying and then it's kind of like dude we're making fucking beer stop complaining that you your back hurt stop saying like <laughs> dude we're doing something different here you know like we we don't have like all the equipment is like the big guys those big fuckers at budweiser man yeah they got they got fmla you know they got unions <laughs> But we're do we're we're fucking the system up. We're and Brewdog, anybody, any any single brand ever that uses punk says the word punk. Avoid they say it avoid right on the building avoid. outside. Yes, like we walked. I remember walking by it and seeing that the first time, and I was like, "What's punk about this? This is looks like an expensive piece of property." Yeah, don't what I'm calling Tobacco Row now. Actually. Right. Don't say punk. Don't call your beer punk. Don't say you are punk. You never are. If you were to ever say that out loud, you've you're instantly not. You're embarrassed. <laughs> you're embarrassed. Yeah, you're a poser now because uh, you said you were punk. But yeah, I mean, I I don't know. It's it it really is just um it's just guys being able to take advantage of each other. It feels like yeah, it's and a I really macho and awful fucking industry. Exactly, and it's macho in the same way that look. If you're a listener, I'm not talking about you, but tattoo artists. <laughs> sure. A lot it's, of them. It's the same. The good thing about tattoo artists is they don't have employees. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they, you know, obviously no. some of them have like apprentices and, and stuff like that. But the good thing is, is that to run a tattoo shop, you don't have to have like 200 employees right. that you treat like garbage. You right. Know? Did you pay $9 an hour and say this is all for them? <laughs> That's also another... I don't want to do this. You think I want to fucking come and do this? I do that because you guys need jobs, okay? <laughs> I'm a job provider. Kind of uh, jobbing provider. I'm a job provider. 
You'd be you'd be stuck at some fucking warehouse, you know, slinging boxes for the limited if it wasn't for this brewery opportunity. So apparently, a bunch of these places had allegations pushed towards them because the beginning of this starts out by saying like a lot of people have come out in the beer industry and we're looking to make changes, and and that's the employees. I'm gonna start uh, uh, here. Brewdog have been flagged in a significant number of these allegations. We are not writing this to level further accusations nor to dispel existing ones. It is down to each and every one of us to decide whether we believe women or not. Rather, the purpose of this letter is to make known the feelings of former staff regarding the atmosphere fostered at BrewDog since its inception in the hope that it might explain why so many allegations have come to light. BrewDog was and is built on a cult of personality. Since day one, you have... Since day one, you have sought to exploit publicity, both good and bad, and usually with the faces of James and Martin front and center, mm. to further your own business goals. Your mission might genuinely be to make other people as passionate about craft beer as you are. <laughs> That's exactly what you just said. Well, they 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 have a TV show, I think. Rudolph does. Yeah, they're from like Scotland or something. Jeez. And I think they were on a TV show. I feel like why they pick Columbus. I don't know. Tax abatements. Probably. probably. Some kind of tax incentive, I'm sure. Well, we're good for climate change, too. Like, a bunch of people are going to have to move here eventually. <laughs> we'll be the coast at some point. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. Um, so, I, I apparently there are some, some real allegations against one of the owners of the place that I don't have all of that information. But uh, here we go. You spent years claiming you wanted to be the best employer in the world, presumably to help you to recruit top talent. But ask former staff what they think of those claims, and you'll most likely be laughed at. Being treated like a human being was sadly not always a given for those working at BrewDog. These days, you claim to want to save the planet, an admirable mission, but slightly undermined when you look back over years of vanity projects, chartering flights across the Atlantic that had to be filled with staff to justify them even going ahead, brewing an eco-friendly saison with glacier water, half of which was dumped down the drain so the proceeds could go to charity, but only after the donation was slashed because it was too much. We hope the use of a private jet has come to an end, but it wouldn't surprise us if it hasn't. Forgive us if we feel any claims made recently about changing the business seem insincere. For as long as anyone of any of us can remember, we have never seen anything that has made us feel like BrewDog has lived the values it purports to God uphold. damn. It doesn't matter which part of the business we worked in. Production, bartending, sa sales, operations, packaging, quality marketing, or HR, we all felt that in our day-to-day -day working lives, there were at best hurdles and at worst genuine safety concerns. We felt that no matter how these were raised, the likelihood was that we would be met with some variation on that's just the way things are. I believe that this is like, if you don't believe, I will always err on the side of the employee, obviously, because that's like kind of who I am. But also anytime an employee says that they brought a concern and they said, that's just the way things are. Through a hundred percent of the time, it's not even ninety nine percent of the time. Yeah, it's a hundred percent of the fucking time. You know, we um, 
Sometimes, uh, uh, sometimes it was linked to James directly. Sometimes it was because someone in a position of power felt unable to act in such a manner. We believe these toxic attitudes toward junior staff trickled down throughout the business from day one until they were simply an intrinsic part of the company. So many of us started our jobs there eagerly, already bought into the brew dog ethos only to very quickly discover that fast pace meant unmanageable and challenging meant damaging some people no names but as a group we know who they are quickly discovered that this could be exploited and allow them to treat other staff however they liked without repercussions making them feel belittled and are pressured into working beyond their capacity and often eventually feeling forced out of the business because that was that was perceived as the way the company operated. If we didn't like it, we should leave. Every single one of us worked with at least one of these people who often quickly rose through the ranks as someone loyal to James and his preferred ways of working. That's another thing that I've been involved with in companies that I've worked for is, is you know, as much as people, as as cartoonishly evil as we sometimes make bosses sound... I truly believe that most of them do not want to fire people. And I don't think that that means that they don't fire people. I think that means that firing is their last resort if they can't force them to leave. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I think a lot of times the boss is afraid to say you're fired, you're terminated to an employee. But what they do is they make working so fucking unmanageable that you can't that you have to leave you're just not going to make it they 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 i've seen bosses go after specific employees i've seen that happen in my time where like then they make you seem paranoid when you leave you know like the boss will say to you like this guy's a fuck up i'm gonna you know i'm gonna push at him and then like when they leave they're like he was paranoid man i can't like they did that to me i don't know if they were trying to force me out but i know they were trying to make my job more difficult to make me miserable you know yeah i think that i think they're more along the lines of uh just saying saying uh things that sound good from a marketing standpoint seems more where they're at but like it doesn't match the basically the guy in his mind is like, whatever I think is the most compassionate and best way to do things. That's why I run this. Be- that's why I run Brewdog. Uh, but then his actions are just like, well, that's what it takes to be compassionate and awesome. You know. Yeah. So it. I mean, what they're saying is like that the company ignores health and safety guidelines. Uh, that, uh, you know. Brewdog said they would announce they would hire a mental health amb- ambassador, which oftentimes businesses also do that. Like it's your met, you're the problem. It's yeah. not the culture of the company. It's it's a mental health. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna people. get you a calendar so that you can uh, write down your schedule for the day and and plan for your nine hour work days. Getting Absolutely. treated like shit. Absolutely. So Brett. I have uh, two more things here that I want to hit. And uh, hey, if you work at BrewDog, feel free to call in on Sunday. We're back for the call-in show. Would love to hear from a BrewDog employee. Yeah. Uh, Brett likes to drink BrewDogs. Not, not I, the beer. I guess not anymore. But I'm saying that like beer as in BrewDog. Oh, I love BrewDogs. Like, that's the way you say beer. They can't take away that away from us. Yes. I called beers BrewDogs way before that brand. 
Yes, absolutely. But everybody did. Nick Weiger has always called him Brewdog. Uh, let's uh, let's move to a little. I got two more lighter stories here that okay. I think you'll enjoy. Zippo stuff. I wish you know. I wish there were more stories about Zippos. I love Zippos. They I don't even have a, a Zippo guy. It's out. It's gone. They don't even have the little like carousel spinning at any stores anymore. I haven't seen one. Scare, you're scaring me right now. Have you? When was the last time you saw a little carousel spinning around? They had like a, I mean, a fucking Miami Dolphins and a Harley Davidson and a. The problem with Zippos is that I lose my lighter all the time. That's why I have to have like 15 lighters in my house. Right. You know, I, I have lighters all over the fucking place. Oh, my God. What about one Zippos? Zippos are only $10 now. Oh, yeah. They're nothing. I mean, it's just a little. I mean, I mean the good ones aren't. Oh, I just found a Playboy one that's $45. (laughs) Okay, okay. There is a Zippo that says I'm gay on it, if anybody's looking for that. Official? (laughs) It's a Zippo. It says Mm. gay Zippo lighter. Oh, Zazzle. I think you can get anything you want. Probably Zippo Zippo. style. Yeah, no. I think it says Zippo, so I'm going to go with it. So, yeah, maybe I will get a Zippo. Uh, I, I know that they're fresh. Which, oh, by the way, for the listeners, I use Fresh now. Like, I just started using Fresh. I feel like you've said it for a long time. But a lot more. I am using Fresh so much. Everything I see is Fresh now. Yeah, okay. You're just going to have to get used to that. I do like this matte Zippo. I'm buying a Zippo. Not right now, though. Um, Let's get to the story here off Yahoo Life. It all started when Gwen... It all started when Glenn Tharp went to order a delicious combo meal from a Houston Burger King. The girl automatically said medium or large. Tharp told Tharp told local news source click to Houston. So I said, I only want a number six. And she said medium or large with a higher tone. Of course, Tharp could have just asked for a small, but as he told Click2, by failing to mention the small option, Tharp thinks Burger King is tricking customers into upsizing their order. To me, it's not right. To do that to the customer, Tharp told the news source, I think it's dishonest, as Click2 reports. The difference between a small combo and a medium combo is 54 cents, but as Tharp explains, it's the principle about it. Nightmare customer. This, this, this Glenn Tharp, you are a nightmare, sir. I, yeah, I listen, mean. Listen, you're technically right. I'm with you. I would take your side on this. Bugging people. And like just annoying people for 54 cents. You just don't Start, do that. Yeah, I mean, I would just, I would keep, that's a handy tip that you say to people. Like, right? That's something that you be seeing like, hey, uh, hey, I, well, I got you here real quick. You should also know at Burger King, they'll, they'll ask you if you want your combo to be medium or large. You can actually order small. And then that person will say, why would you ever order a fucking small combo? It's ridiculous. Nobody has ever would ever it's order stupid. a small. It's a stupid order. I order a large and throw away three quarters. What do you get? A di- <laughs> Thank you. What do you get? A double Whopper cheese combo small? Small like, size. It's, it's like. Come on, dude. You're at the Burger King. Do it. There isn't an option for health. There's not a healthy option there. Just fucking get them. Why do you want a small? Start a blog. Start a new blog where you tell people how to save 54 cents on every trip to fucking Burger King. And this guy goes to war with Burger King, which I'm no big fan of Burger. Well, 
I don't want to say I'm no big fan of Burger King. I do like Burger, Burger King. Burger King slaps. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nobody turns it down. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm no fan of the Burger King uh, uh, corporation, but their food is good. Sure. I enjoy it. It's They're probably serving. one of the top fast food places to me. Wow. That's just a little thing with me. Uh, you know, bottom being Wendy's. Bottom. Whoa. It's the bottom. The worst place. Nothing worse than Wendy's? I've never. I cannot eat at a Wendy's anymore. It's on the downslope, dude. It's just, it's the bottom one now. The bottom fast food place changes with the time. Oh, I know. Just it's like five years ago, Burger King was the bottom. People were like, I think Burger, I said, I think Burger King is going to be out of business within yeah. the next five years. And then they just had a resurgence. And and that knocked Wendy's down a little bit. I I just don't know. You drive by a Wendy's, it looks bad. Like, it's got a bad look on the outside. It's all in, like, various stages of disrepair. You go in there, it's not modern. It doesn't have a modern look inside there. It still looks like it did when I was fucking, you know, 15. Yeah. And, like, the food, I just, I've had two burgers from there in the past five years, and they were both bad. I don't know if that's, like, a good sample size, but they were both very bad and dry. So Yeah, they got rid of the broccoli cheddar potato. I think it fucked everything up. Also, they don't have a vegetarian, a veggie burger, which right. is ridiculous. Neither does McDonald's, but Wendy's doesn't, you know? And McDonald's is said to be making a uh, veggie burger, which well, I got kind of frustrated with because they're not making a veggie Big Mac. Or a veggie quarter pounder. It's like a whole new burger that you uh, have to order. And it's like, you don't understand. That is a fundamental misunderstanding of vegetarians to do. What a vegetarian wants. The motherfucking Big Mac. They right. want to eat a Big Mac. They don't want a whole new sandwich with lettuce on it. Yeah. They ain't trying to get lettuce at McDonald's. No red onions. <laughs> Please don't put red onions on it. They're going to put lettuce, red onions, and tomatoes Heirloom on tomatoes. It. Yeah, it's just going to be, you're just going to be like so let down. You're like, you're just going to be like, why wasn't this a Big Mac? <laughs> they have all the technology to make the impossible Big Mac. And yeah. they're fucking around with this other idea. But what do you think, like this Burger King guy is uh, uh, a night, don't. If you're a listener and you're thinking about going on a crusade against some workers, look, I don't care if you go home. And um well, he's not he's taking it to court. He's not going against the workers. No, he's not taking it to court. He he confronted the the cashier oh. through the drive-through. He he was like and then he went online and decided he was going to blog about it. Like he was just like, "I want let me just like get a a nice little blog in and now he's yelling about it and it's just like that i'm fine with you're a you're what they call a crank i think yeah if you get mad about this if you know you can order the small sir you're not allowed to order a small combo yeah that's yeah. what you say you know what you should try sir and i'll i'll just give you a little hint here the way a combo is rung up at these places is still individual you still do each thing try getting a water with your I mean, what is a small <laughs> fry, by the way? What is that all about? Yeah. Why would you a want a small fry? I 
Yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, it's, I would just say like, sir, small combos are reserved for patrons that are 16 and under. <laughs> Eight and under, really. That's a, hey, we call that a kid's meal. That's a kid's meal, actually. Yeah. Oh, you want one kid's meal? If you want to, sir, if you want to join the Burger King Kids Club, that's totally fine with us. Yeah. But, uh, uh we have some paperwork up here, but yeah, on your birthday, you'll get another free, free happy meal. <laughs> You're allowed to order a kid's meal. I promise. There was that whole yeah, thing. Yeah, you don't have to be a time. kid. Yeah, you can you can order a kid's meal instead, sir. Yeah. Okay, here's our last little thing. I, I just enjoyed this. I think you'll you'll get a kick out of it, Brad. I think our listeners will like it. It's it's very good uh little story for for us people who like scams. So a rapper best known for facing off with Eminem and Eight Mile isn't welcome in Iowa anymore. In the movie, Gerald Strikes Sanders' character loses a rap battle with Eminem's character. In real life, Sanders has lost a legal battle with Iowa's Attorney General Tom Miller. What? At issue is a company Sanders runs in which young adults recruited from inner-city neighborhoods go door-to-door around the country selling products like magazines, clothes, and pet accessories. What? <laughs> he runs it. He, he runs that shit. Eminem beat that guy in a rap battle? At the end of 8 Mile, the guy that he beats to win the rap battle yeah. at the end of 8 Mile, it's him. The guy from the movie. That also guy a rapper. Has kids coming to the door trying to sell you magazine subscriptions. Right. And I got to say this. Uh, he was in 8 Mile. Okay. He should probably have money. I would guess. It's some kind of money. Did he just invest it in this scam business? I don't know. But it's an interesting scam. I'll say that. We have that scam here. Wait, the real guy or the actor? The actor. Oh, I thought it was a real guy. No, it's the, the it's actor. The he, actor. He took that money and spent it on. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, on a door-to-door company. Door- Miller's office complaints Sanders directed them falsely to tell people the money went to local charities. <laughs> I'm done, yeah. <laughs> Very common scam. A claim Sanders vehemently denies, which... Uh, listen, Sanders, the eight-mile guy, my, my... I think I like him more than Bernie Sanders now. But he... Uh, listen, we know those kids were told to say it was charity. Yeah. How many times have you gotten the... I I love that. I think that's like my favorite scam. One of them. The, the get a bag of candy, uh, walk around and say, hey, this is for my basketball team. <laughs> I did it today. You did? Yeah, I gave some kid 10 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's an incredible It's easy scam money, yeah. To me. I, I wish more kids... I hope they're not passing it up to somebody else like my hope is that this was like five smart when you do it yeah my hope is always it's like five smart kids that were just like look man you know we can buy these candies for this much and we can sell them for much more saying it's charity it's the same thing it my favorite scam in the world right it's i don't know if it's done it might be done but it's something i've always thought was the best scam in the world it's that you go to Target and you buy a roll of tickets. You know what I'm like, like raffle tickets. Mm-hmm. Sell those tickets. 
Yeah. You know, <laughs> like go around town selling the rap. Because that's what make I feel like that's what a lot of contests are. Like nobody fucking knows. Yeah. You know, remember when you would go to the mall and they would have a car in yeah. the mall and you would just fill out a little form and stick it in there? They were just data mining. Yeah, yeah. They were just selling your information. <laughs> They they were making a dollar for every single person that put a fucking card in there. Did <laughs> you get hounded with telemarketers? Nobody ever got that card. No, I truly believe that. And when you look at a roll of tickets, I think I looked them up one day. They're thirty bucks for a roll of tickets. You're really you're looking at like sky's the limit. It's so much money, dude. You could sell the tickets for $1 a piece. See, but you got to get a teenager, though, that says it's for, like, band boosters. Like, if we showed up, I wouldn't be able to... I, I couldn't sell anybody on a lottery. I couldn't walk up and sell anybody on a lottery. What if? What if? Unless I say it was the band director. I would Maybe I would say it was the band director. That's... Yeah, I go to We're one. giving away a new uh, Honda Accord. <laughs> I mean, what we could really do is go to an outdoor festival, buy one of those tumblers... With the balls in them. Yeah. And set it up in our booth. And then just a couple rolls of tickets. <laughs> just be like, buy these. You know, five bucks a piece. And people would buy those. Buy, you know? But why? To win what? Uh, we would have to come up with a lie for what the prize is. But we would have the tumbler with the ball. Yeah. Why do you add that, though? For looks? You're not just thinking to, like a scam artist here okay. at all. We're talking about a scam here. What uh -huh. you could do is you could go to like the Breakaway Music Festival, right? Which is a festival in town. They do EDM and rap music. Buy a fake Supreme shirt. Fucking hang that up in there. And also have the tourney thing. You're making all the money. You're just making all the money. <laughs> I just know it. It's it's full. It's the most foolproof scam. I cannot think of a better scam than the ticket scam. I I believe it wholeheartedly. I mean, fuck, Dave and Buster's is a ticket scam. No it's a ticket scam. No, it you, is. You actually get stuff, but you spend a fucking ton of money to get like something that's worth twenty cents, right? Sure. Yeah. That's a ticket scam. But that's no, that's not a scam because you have because they actually you you get something. If you don't give anything away, that's a scam. If you give something away, you legally did not do a scam. <laughs> oh, so now it's against the law to do scams? Yes. Which I've never is, I have always felt. You're not going after like powerless people or anything. Like that. If you're just scamming, like if you go to a rich neighborhood and you do the raffle scam that I've come up with, that's not. Like, they should know, guy looking like me, but you know what I would do? What I would do is put on a baseball uniform. Okay. Like the baseball pants and a fucking shirt that says like the twins on it or something like that. And on the back, it would have like a Dairy Queen. Yes, Dairy say, Queen 643. Say coach. Yeah. And it'll, it'll say coach and it'll have a number on it. That's not 69. It would probably be like a random number. And like, I, I'd sell them all. I'm telling you. I'm a genius, man. 
So what's important to know is that I did not send people into neighborhoods to defraud people, he says. Still, Sanders agreed in a settlement (laughs) release Wednesday to close down Iowa operations of his company, Atlanta-based Inner City Solutions. In documents, Miller's office alleged that Inner City Solutions failed to register as a fundraiser, failed to obtain door-to-door sales licenses, and did not inform buyers of their right to cancel sales within three days, which... You know, Katie got scammed once by somebody pulling this scam at the grocery store. They had a they had a pack of receipts and they had a a brochure of different magazines. It was just a brochure of like different magazines and it was like a really too good to be true price. There there was fucking no possible way you were getting these magazines for this price. She comes home shows me the receipt and it was $60 I think she spent but it was for like that doesn't sound too good to be true on magazines five year subscriptions for like five magazines it was maybe it was $38 I don't remember it was an amount of money that at that time felt like a million dollars to me (laughs) but wasn't a million dollars it wasn't a ton of money. It was just what felt like a ton of money to me at this time of my life where I was very broke. And, um, she brought the receipt home and I was like, you got ripped off. And she was like, how do you know? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, did they give you anything? Like, but we ended up getting our money back from the attorney general because it wasn't real. The attorney general sent our money back because it was a whole fake thing. They weren't sending the magazines. I cannot, for the life of me, remember why I knew that they weren't going to send the magazines, but they didn't send the magazines. It was like a known scam that they would write receipts for these magazines, take the money. You know, that worked. It worked. So maybe we just get a book of receipts. Another way to make a bunch of money. Um. So, uh, uh, he painted it as a, so we could go after you for these crazy amounts, but if you sign this paper saying you'll never come back to Iowa, we'll leave it alone. (laughs) I mean, that's fair. You know what? I like that. I, I actually, for me, I like the, I would love it if like me and Brett went and did a cool scam somewhere. And then they were like, oh, like in Iowa and they were, maybe we should do it in Iowa. And they'll just be like, you can't come back to Iowa anymore. And you're like, okay, man, I'm out. You know, it's like Old West style. Yeah. <laughs> Legal wranglings. Um, in addition to his appearance as rapper Lickety Split. <laughs> That's a good name, though. <laughs> I like it when things are Lickety Split. I don't. I don't. Sanders was part of an early 2000s Detroit rap group, The Mountain Climbers. <laughs> no. <laughs> what mountain in Detroit? <laughs> Just a mountain of life, probably, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he also was in, uh, he went on to appear in other movies playing himself in 513 and Malcolm X in 2015's American Sharia, which I don't, I don't know what American Sharia is, but I don't think it was a positive depiction of Malcolm Wait, X. Wait, he played himself? He played himself in one movie. Wait, then, so, no, but I, I'm, uh, why am I confused? Is he an actor or is he really a rapper from Detroit? He's both. Well, you, I, I thought he was an actor. You said he was an actor at the beginning. Apparently, he was an actor. 
and the real guy. Yeah. yeah. So he's not an actor. He portrays himself. He played Malcolm X in American Sharia. He played Malcolm X? <laughs> he did. That's what they said. It's an Eric Roberts movie. Let's look at the, uh, after a prejudiced police officer upsets the Muslim community through racial profiling, the chief of police assigns two Muslim officers to regain the trust of the community. <laughs> God damn it. Maybe that's some <laughs> bonus content. <laughs> you want to try to get American Sharia 2017? Yeah. You were, that's a slog. I got to see what that's about. You got to know. Yeah, I'm interested. I like it. I like that attitude, man. Let's let's check it out. Let's let's check out American Sharia, where where this guy that scams people plays Malcolm X. Well, I mean, there, yeah, so much crap. So many so many podcasts do the same old crap and report on the same old shit. So you got to find something unique, man. It is. So, uh, but his star turn at eight mile almost never happened. According to media reports, he told hip hop magazine XXL that when he went to the auditions, I was on the run from the feds at the time. When we pulled up to the auditions, we actually thought it was the feds. He told the magazine what? at that time. <laughs> he thought it was a sting. Oh shit, man. <laughs> they told me I was going to be in a movie. They're about to lock me up. <laughs> yeah, he thought it was a fucking sting. Jesus, man. I mean, that's, that's heavy. That. Cops do that. Oh, though. I know. I know. They'll do that. The, the drug free, thing. T- tell you that you want a free TV. Come pick it up. You're actually getting arrested. Yeah. They go through people that have warrants and then they yeah. just send them a thing like, hey, man, you want a, you want a TV. It's no. probably the thing. We did a local do. lottery. There's $700 cash waiting for you downtown. Come get it. Exactly. Exactly. Which, you know. Um, at the time I was in the streets carrying guns, my manager was like, if they try to arrest you, I'll shoot in the air and you run. <laughs> okay. That's good to have your back like that. <laughs> then just before he was scheduled to shoot the scene with Eminem, he was arrested on an attempted murder charge and the movie star Uh-oh. had to step in. Uh oh. M Dunn bailed me out on my attempted murder case. He told XXL. <laughs> okay. I don't. <laughs> this guy. Since then, Sanders maybe he should be is- kicked out of every place, not just Iowa. <laughs> he seems like trouble. Yeah, too- a little bit. Yeah, I think shut this guy down. Yeah, if I'm fine with it. Since then, Sanders has become a successful businessman. Said manager Erica Mystery McCullen. Uh, at the end of the day, he was an actor who had some situations that he overcame and he became a better person for it, she said. He's not the same person he was 15 years ago. Are you the same person you were 15 years ago, she said. Which, that's a, like a really good point. I do agree with that. But I also just want to throw in there that he runs this thing called Inner City Solutions where he has young adults go and knock on doors to sell things. And tell people it's from charity, which means that it's just a door-to-door sales business because he doesn't give to charity. He doesn't give the money to charity, he said, and as part yeah. of the court filing that uh, we never promised we were going to give it to charity. So it seems like an odd business anyway, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, yeah, I've, I've told the story about the place I went. Uh, I, I did an a interview and they stuck me in a parking lot all day. And I had to sell coupons. That's I, you. You would get try to get someone to pay twenty, forty, sixty dollars to to coupons in town. You know, for for restaurants that would be for free entrees or whatever right. it was. You know, the, the value they were like twenty dollars. You know, you pay twenty dollars. This is a hundred dollars in coupons, what? and it all and it goes to charity. Were you selling? 
I gotta ask you, were you selling the entertainment magazine? No. The book? No. My parents used to buy that every year. The entertainment book is a good deal. <laughs> the entertainment book, you can work it. <laughs> I hope that they can't sell that anymore. But yeah, I, I, I guess. My parents bought it every year. And when I found out it was 60 bucks when I became an adult. Or whatever it was. It, it was some price that I was like, my parents paid that much for that fucking thing? Yeah. They probably used three coupons out of the whole thing. Yeah, I bought them, but I use them. I make sure I get my money's worth when it comes to the entertainment book. Do they, um, they, do yeah. they still sell them? Uh, there's no, they I, do. It has to they be, an, is it an app? Maybe it would be like an app that you pay $5 a month to get access to local coupons. It is an app. It, they are celebrating 60 years of savings. <laughs> It's the 60th and <laughs> Hallelujah, too. The entertainment book. <laughs> we get one free game of bowling with uh, two, two game purchase. I wonder if our listeners ever heard of the entertainment book. I, I'll, I'll check the chat. Think to be enter- There's entertainment books everywhere. Yeah, I don't have my computer tonight, so I haven't been reading what everybody's writing. Yeah, let me know in the chat real quick while we're still chatting. There was like a phone book. Think of like a phone book, like a one-third size phone book that was just full of like, you know, free fish sandwich on fr- on Fridays at Dairy Queen. You know, one game of bowling was always constantly in there. Um, I would use it on dry cleaning sometimes. There was always good dry cleaning in there. Uh, All 2021 entertainment books are $5 right now. You can get one for five buckaroos. Yeah, after they print them, they they do go they go down. And then they have digital membership. So you you can get on an app. Brett's gonna have the entertainment book app. Yep. But but before (laughs) midnight. I'm an entertainment book member. (laughs) And here I went I I actually I get an extra scoop of ice cream on my on mine. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, right, right. I on, love man. savings books. Yeah, they're also in Canada too. So you, you, I mean, you really, we're going on tour soon. Yeah, uh, an entertainment book might not be the worst thing in the world, though. <laughs> it's yeah. really fiscally responsible for us to have the entertainment book. Yeah, <laughs> fucking in we'll dr- some city, but bowling. <laughs> yeah, drive thirty-five minutes out of our way to get an extra half pound of roasted almonds with <laughs> with a one-pound purchase. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dude, fucking sitting in the hotel room eating out of one of those big tins of three different kinds of popcorn. Chicago style. $9.99 Chicago style bins for every entertainment book owner. (laughs) Oh, coupons are the best, man. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, somebody in the chat said our school had plastic cards with like 30 deals to local businesses. Yeah. We have that. Yeah. In my neighborhood. Uh, We have it. Always, we buy them every year because it's a booster thing. Yeah, never used. It's a donation. Yeah, and it's like a boring. It's like a boring kind of like, like five percent off at Dairy Queen, right? <laughs> stuff where it's like this is n- not going to make a difference in my life. A five percent off at Dairy Queen. Sorry, yeah. If you feel embarrassed to ask for that, yeah. Like, I'm sorry, could I get, uh, you know, I actually, I, I was supposed to get 28 cents off of this order. Yes. I'm a booster, so I get 5%, you know. Yeah. yeah um, it says here. Uh, uh, I wish they would what? just ask for money. I hate the schools. I hate fundraising for schools. It's fucking awful. I wish they would just beg for money instead of trying to get kids to sell shit. 
Yeah, yeah. There's a few people in the chat that sold them for school. I, I do hate that. I, I would love to have taxes that don't pay for for missiles yeah. and stuff to go to the school. So the people at I hated it. I know. Like, I, I would I would tell her no. Just don't do it. Just we did the math and we need every child in this district to sell. Uh, $18 worth of popcorn. Uh, instead, you could just send $20 to us. Please, let's do that. Let's do that. Exactly. If they would just say what they fucking need, I would love either, it. We, either we make your kids sell $18 in popcorn or you send us $20. You decide. And I, I want to do that because I don't want to fucking... I, I just hate this idea that you like turn your kid... And, and the kid doesn't even become a salesperson anyway. Like whenever Gwen had to sell stuff... It just Katie took it to work. Yeah. And it bothered the people at work with like, uh, hey, do you want to buy uh, that pampered chef or something like that? It's like, no, the kid, I will. One of the kids we hated the most, his name was Ben, and his mom worked at a bank. And uh, he would always have the biggest fucking, he would get like the bicycle or whatever it was that was the biggest prize. He always had it. And we would just be like, man, that motherfucker, his mom works at a bank. That's the only reason that he can do that. Yeah. I would be like knocking on doors ben. all the time. <laughs> Fuck you, Ben. Fuck Ben. Fuck fucking Ben with the mom that works at the goddamn bank. Yeah. Just selling everything. I mean, I knew she was a, doing all the work. Yeah. I had a lot of friends, like, cause in Columbus, one of the, the big employers are nationwide Huntington Bank and, uh, yeah, that's Chase. Was, that was her thing. And, uh, yeah, if you work at one of those places, you can sell so much stuff. But like pecan sandies for fucking fourteen dollars a box. Yeah, yeah, but it 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 it's so mean. It's so unfair to every single person involved in yeah. the thing, except for the company that does the it's fundraising. A- it's the the only people. It's not unfair for them too. They're useless. Exactly. I mean, like, you can go to Aldi and get two pounds of mixed nuts for $9. Instead, we have an entire company that repackages mixed nuts and sells them for $16 that makes kids sell them for $16. And there's a whole company of doing logistics of taking $8 per pound nuts and selling them for $16 per pound and making kids do it. Exactly. Exactly. Making kids do it. And also just like, man, you know, there's times in my life in in my twenties and stuff like that, where I was just flat ass broke. But my wife was like, yeah, we gotta, uh, we gotta buy a $35 fucking, I don't know, spoon. Summer sausages. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Would you rather have the summer sausages or oranges or uh, this pack of spoons. And I'm like, I don't want any of those. Those are like all things I don't want. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, I think we're back. We're back in the swing of things. Um, we'll be here tomorrow doing Dungeons and Dragons, which Thursday, because this show will be posted tomorrow yeah. and it's a whole thing. Later today. Uh, we will be playing Dungeons and Dragons Thursday, the whatever day it is, at 9 o'clock. Uh, Thursday the 23rd at 9 o'clock. We'll be on our stream playing Dungeons and Dragons. Twitch.tv slash Street Fight Radio. And uh, Sunday, we will be here with the call-in show. And then next week, 
Uh, Heat O'Brien's going to come back for a couple more weeks. Okay. And uh, so the Patreon, you'll get Heat O'Brien uh, for a couple more weeks before I go to something else. I haven't really, I, I have a few ideas. I'm going to like run them by Brett. And uh, that's it. That's the fucking show, dude. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We're back. Um, we appreciate all y'all that support what we do. Um, and we'll keep you updated. Uh, the the t-shirt pre-orders, they are, it is actually happening. Um, like I said, I, I've been in a hole for like two months. And I definitely dropped the ball when it came to those t-shirt pre-orders. But it is happening. And those will start hitting the mail soon. And hopefully I can get on a regular schedule. Um, but, you know. Life has been hell. I've been, I got divorced, so it fucking sucks. <laughs> My life fucking sucks, you know, from time to time. Hey, but, like, we did make the TV show that yeah. we've been promising. Yes. Like, we made that. Thing. That's true. So, that's going to come out in the future at some point. I think no dates. I like it. I'll never give you a date. I, not for this thing, no. Uh, but it will come out at some point, and I think you'll all, I think you'll like it, and, uh, you know. We're back. We are fucking full on back. We're so back that on September 16th, we have a tour date. Sure. Or, or a, a live, live show, show in Pittsburgh. And hopefully one in Columbus before that. And uh, What's the goal? we're going to try to get everywhere close for right now to knock the rust mm. off. And then, uh, you know, we'll go everywhere. We're back, baby. We're back on the road. We're back on the show. It's fucking. Fight, baby. That's how it goes. Peace. Yeah.